Two Beards Talk, where thought lives and dies. We're going to call this one uh, Windows Update. <laughs> Windows up. Yeah, my tablet's currently at 6%. Uh, hey, kids, when you're recording a podcast, check and see if your computers need updates. Yes, always make sure every single device that you ever want to use ever for recording is updated. So I'm forced down to this miniature tablet. Oh. Oh, yeah, always right. It is a, a little bit painful to use. You're painful to use. You would know. <coughs> Gross. <laughs> oh. What's the drink of the day? Drink of the day is Heineken. Gotta love your Heineken. Yep, always touch my Heine. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay away from the COVID-19 Corona. Well, that and we don't have very many left. We're running out. And we never run out of Corona in this house. No. That's like running out of whiskey. That's sacrilegious. Yeah, yeah. That's why I call it hate crime. <laughs> you know... You ever think how many Coronas you would have if you just didn't drink one? How would that affect your supply of Corona, positive or negative? Well, it'd be a hundred percent positive because you would always have supply <laughs> if you never touch it. I mean, it's supply and demand. No, no, I'm not you saying have a huge never, supply I'm not and zero saying demand. Never touch it. Let's say six months ago, yeah, I didn't drink one Corona. How would that affect everything? Well, yeah. I mean, hey, there would be no virus because I mean that that one extra bottle that you would have so would so not go into the system so who knows if if you know <laughs> you never drank a single corona no one would have ever have touched a bat so uh <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is if a butterfly flaps its wings in chicago there'll be a tornado in uh, south africa yeah i mean that's the basic most basic way of saying it that's a hell of a segue that is a hell of a segue <laughs> that's uh you guys haven't figured it out we're talking about chaos theory today and the butterfly effect which yeah. uh the butterfly effect is really a simplistic way of looking at chaos theory yeah and it comes in a lot of handy because it's basically used in almost everything from just modeling the weather for especially recently a lot of predictions to see just how everything is going to roll out with the spread of the virus yeah we'll get to that because <laughs> i have a lot to say about specifically how chaos theory affects modeling yeah or so what almost, is what is chaos theory chaos theory in the most simplistic things is when you s wherever you start and wherever you end it's going to be you could start at the same place or what you think is the same place twice and you could end in completely different areas and just you can never know enough variables and you can never have enough information to make a 100% accurate simulation of pretty much anything. Bingo. Layman, layman of layman's terms. And the good thing to know is we are basically idiots. So anything we say or anything we say is very See, simplistic. that's what happened. George missed one day of school and he can't say S's now correctly. Nah, man. One day of school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's ironic that we live in a society today that says they can predict and plan and uh, figure out pretty much anything given enough computer space. Oh, my. That was a beer burp. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was another one. Sorry, guys. Maybe a slow down on the beer. Or yeah, I really do. Uh, speed up. <laughs> uh, but to say that you can know the future with relative accuracy. Yeah. That's just bullcrap. Oh, yeah. You know how hard it was for me not to use an expletive? Those who know me, I, I swear <laughs> a lot. It's been so hard not to swear on these podcasts a lot. Uh, and, and if you look at uh, the theory itself, uh, basically, you're getting to a point where you can really never model more than a few days away. No, no. You, you can't even... If, if, if you look deeper into it, you can never even model accurately a few seconds into the future it will with you will always have well that's that's a depends. very large accuracy problem yeah that depends on how you define accuracy so if we <coughs> if we take something like hurricane modeling we live in florida yeah uh, we deal with hurricanes a lot mm -hmm. uh, actually far less than the rest of the country thinks we do we don't actually get a lot of landfalls it, regardless of what popular opinion is and how it's predicted well, every we, year. We have just been super lucky because we've Which had a fine. few four or fives that have just skipped off the coast from where we were. And Either that or they get really weak when they hit and uh, yeah. not really weak. You know, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but 
the few that we have had close calls, they're they're decades apart. We don't get them uh, in the same areas at any given frequency. Uh, yeah. South Florida and the Panhandle actually worse to be at than Central Florida. Yeah. It's ironic. Considering I mean, Tampa yeah, Bay I mean, hasn't the, had a direct hit in like a hundred years. Not saying that uh, law of statistics has any play here, but we're kind of due. So I prepare every time. You got to prepare. Oh yeah. Uh, even if that means going and buying plywood at the very last second and <laughs> ending up buying cedar planking because you're uh, out of wood and it's not that damn cheap. No, but hey, at least we were able to repair our gate really quickly when it broke. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually true. Yeah. So. Uh, the reason I don't pay attention to hurricane modeling beyond a day or two out is mm -hmm. chaos theory. The fact, the, the fact, uh, basically, if you have one variable off, or I mean, you're going to inevitably you're going to have several variables off, where that that butterfly flapping a wing somewhere, causing a wind that can steer a hurricane. Yeah. Uh, that is it. Practically ever going to happen? Probably not. But it's it. it but it gives enough. you a visualization yeah. of what we're dealing with with variables we don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so two to three days, that's as far as I go out. Uh, it's, it's almost impossible to predict much further than that. Well, with anything, because if we were able to predict where something was going to be in the next second, then with 100% accuracy, then you would literally be able to predict the future. Because as soon as you get enough information <coughs> to accurately predict where anything is going to be with that amount of accuracy, then you could do it long term. Which would basically take away your freedom. Yeah. You, you would know everything. So mm -hmm. your decisions would be pre-made. Uh, I think the system has been designed in such a way that chaos is let into it to keep us on our toes. Yeah. If we make decisions based solely on logic and mathematics and uh, we're just terrible what's, at understanding what's the point and the human brain is just terrible at understanding probability because i could say you have a five percent chance of going outside and dying and you're gonna be like all right and i'll take that chance but then you could be like i have a 60 percent chance of getting a hundred thousand dollars if you do the same thing but a 20 percent chance of dying when your chances of dying haven't increased the um, like an amazing amount, but then your your brain just kind of that works. offset of money. Yes, and and then as soon as money gets involved, it's like you could go up to like okay, so you have a fifty percent chance. Listen, twenty bucks. <laughs> twenty bucks is twenty bucks. Exactly. There's a lot of things I do for twenty bucks. Hey man, you should put that on a shirt. <laughs> 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 Merch store opening soon. There's Too a lot of stuff top. I do twenty dollars is twenty dollars. <laughs> picture on the back, me on my knees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just got to make sure we get the beard right. We don't yeah, want to make yeah. any Inuit. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's also it's, you could, since we're always moving, you could never have a true beginning point because if you make the arbitrary cutoff, especially with hurricanes, if you're even off point. Zero zero one on something that could mean it landing in Miami or it going all the way up to New York. Yeah. At the end of it. Which happens a lot. Yeah. And, and, and that's where a lot of this comes into play is just that we started, they started noticing it in scientific models where they would stop in a midpoint or want to rerun the simulation from the middle of the simulation put in all the numbers, exactly what they had got from the printouts, and then when they go to rerun it from that point on, the simulation would be completely different. Well, you know what the difference was? There's a specific uh, model that was being run that George is referring to where the scientist had run through his model, wanted to... to uh, Rerun it. No, confirm it. Oh, yeah. So he ran it again, but he didn't want to do all the work of punching in everything from the beginning. So he takes his numbers from halfway through. He punched in three decimal places. Mm -hmm. The printer was printing out three decimal places, but the computer was actually predicting six. So from the start, he had diverged his trajectory by three decimal places to the... Oh, there 
like millions. Yeah. Billionth, actually. <coughs> Math we Ten, not so good. Hundred thousand <laughs> million, yeah, billionth. So uh, his results started diverging from his original prediction based on that very, very, very small uh, offset in numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, reading some of these definitions here, once you start diverging, that divergence grows because it, it can never find its way back to that point of divergence. And now you end up with an infinite possibilities beyond the point where it diverged. Yeah. So that model became useless because he reran the numbers with a little bit of an incomplete data set. Mm-hmm. And we're predicting hurricanes with a lot of incomplete data sets. Yeah, because <coughs> there's no way that we could ever figure out where every single air particle, every single moisture particle is in our whole atmosphere to pre- to 100% predict where anything is going to be. I mean... Because you would literally have to track and figure out the position of of everything in the air i mean when a hurricane's coming i honestly i just go out to my roof i arse up into the air and i just start blasting it till it turns (laughs) away uh and i'm sure they're not predicting my farting no but you know that 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 (laughs) statistically in this that that does have an effect that's might have a negative i mean there is flapping happening I mean, especially, hey, we, we get a good taco night in here, and, and there's a lot of flat. That's right. Around. It's bean burrito night before mm-hmm. the hurricane hits, hits land in Florida. You That's know, that, why. that'll be the new thing. You know what, Tampa Bay, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. I will accept any form of gift. Uh, send it to my P.O. box that I have not set up. <laughs> uh, and call me out if you need something moved. Uh, you know, I, can only, I can't no, predict, no, you, you, you I, I can't predict what's going to happen. You have uh, to book six months in advance, <laughs> and he might get to it. I come with a mask and gloves. Uh, <laughs> that way, uh, might not fit. I can carry the virus on my hands without getting it on my hands. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, then you just track it around because you know you get on the outside and the inside, and then you just screw it all around. So, is there a point in modeling if there's so much, so much, uh, so many infinite landing points? What's the point of modeling? So, the way that I see it, I see two points to it. There is the the attempt at getting a system that's good enough, and and that's where I think a lot of science is, is attempting to go. Is to just throw enough stuff at it to get it sixty percent accurate, and then the other side that I can see is the human factor. Is people like to know what's going on at all times, so if I come at to you, it's a this is what my computer says. And this is what could happen. And then you look at it, and then, then you take that information into you and be like, all right, I can do something with that. So it calms people down a little bit. Or hypes them up. Yeah. But that, that's depending on how the information is being presented, as well as so how excitable that person is. So who's responsible for communicating the level of possible error built into the system? Like, is, does that fall as a responsibility to somebody? I think it does. I think there is the person that sets up the, the information. So, in great case in the case of hurricanes, like the, the National Weather Service. No, 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 no. NOAA. Hurricane Center. Oh, yeah. NOAA. National Oceanic and blah, 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 Atmospheric, blah, blah. whatever. So, they're, they're the ones that do a lot of the planes that fly in. So a lot of news gets the information from them. So they, would, they should be the ones that say, hey, with this data that we're getting from these computers, then this is the outcomes and stuff like that. It's the reason why if you look at the information that they're getting from NOAA, it looks very different and they, the probability is well, extreme if, on some of them. If you've never looked at <coughs> the NOAA trajectory versus what the news graphics mm-hmm. are, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. The, the yeah. graphics are completely different. Mm-hmm. The news systems used to put in uh, a center line, which I think Noah, di- or not Noah, I think, uh, yeah, Noah used to do that as well, and they took it out. Yeah, because it was Because the, everybody useless. focuses on the center line. That mm-hmm. center line is, is pointless. Yeah. Beyond, beyond the first day of Cone, uh, it's, it's completely irresponsible. 
Oh, oh my God, that beer is killing me today. <laughs> it's completely irresponsible to put in a center line in a model that's inherently flawed. Yes. And so uh, th- kudos to the, to the media, and uh, I'll never say that again. Uh, kudos to the media <laughs> and uh, Noah for taking that center line out. Yeah. That I literally, oh, got to stop saying that word. <laughs> I completely planned my storm preparation one year. Because the storm was predicted to go straight up the center of the state. Yes, that was that was a mess because then... Because it was going to hit the whole state. Yeah. I mean, they were predicting that it was just going to run its way up the whole state, mm-hmm. hit as a Category 4 in the Keys, and end as a Category 1 in Georgia. That would have screwed Florida. We still have bottles of baby water sitting around from that preparation. That is true. And that was almost four it's years ago. It's not baby ago. water, it's just distilled. No, no. With that, the baby label. That says like... Modified for babies and prenatal and listen, we're very stuff. good at finding water. We are fat, yes, and we have beards. <laughs> <coughs> like, what do you need this for? We have a child. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you guys all go looking in the water section. I look the other parts of the store. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'll I'll refine gasoline to find water. <laughs> uh, there there's many things I can distill. Liquor has water in it. Yeah, eventually you just got to get to my the stomach is very good at distilling between mm-hmm. water and liquor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's but yeah, so the responsibility, I think, falls on the model makers to be able to express that they're flawed inherently. Yes. Not to the point of we ignore them. No. And I think as a society, we just suck at this. True. They give us information and we take it as either 100 percent fact or we disbelieve we just. Yeah, it's either it completely. It, it's all or nothing. And I think that, uh, especially in the current condition, we're currently dealing with Corona. Uh, you can't take the fact as fa- as a hundred percent fact, and you mm-hmm. can't take, uh, and you can't ignore it. No. So I've had uh, trouble with this because I lean toward the side of not trusting government in general. That's just how who I am. Yeah. Uh, I trust them as far as I can throw them. I take their information, and I think that the the lower down the podium you go, the better it gets. The closer it gets to you personally. Oh no, no. Lately, local, <coughs> local. <coughs> oh my god, local. <coughs> I'm cutting that part. <coughs> uh, lately, local has been just as bad. Well, okay. Well, the, the, well, that, that's where you draw the line of local. It's like local is in our immediate area. The people that we no, vote I mean in? state. I, I say state down. Okay. State down, you should be able to trust. Yeah. There's states I don't trust. <laughs> I'm from Massachusetts. I don't trust that government. Florida, no. I'm on the fence depending on how many more New Yorkers move to the state. Nothing yep. against you New Yorkers, but uh, y'all's voting habits suck. <laughs> That's an understatement. I'm not going to get into details, but... Uh, well, that, that, that's going to be an idea You're making us podcast. purple, and it's kind of scaring me. So... Uh, but I think it is important for them to uh, communicate that that point that there's no way to predict with any deal of uh, real accuracy. Yeah. Beyond a day or two out. Yeah. And that's why that cone with that you get from <coughs> from Noah is uh, it widens out so drastically mm-hmm. from like five to seven days. Yes, I mean, it, and even, it's basically useless. Even the the three day track now. Because they always they, they they have pretty much the, the one day, the three day, the five day, and they used to have, or at least I believe they used to have a seven day one. But then you never see that anymore. And even the five day one has just turned into, here's half of the Atlantic Ocean. It might go here. <laughs> so the seven day is still there, but it's a separate cone. Oh. So you have the five day that goes out real bright white, and then that seven day is a dark color, because they don't want you to focus on it because yeah. it means nothing. And then you get these these news channels that take that graphic and they mm-hmm. make their own cone because it's got to be 4K and it's pretty and nothing else on TV is 4K yet, but the, but the news graphics are fucking f- are 4K. Yeah, unless you watch football, <coughs> then it's like 720p. Yeah. Or that, it's like 420p and then you can tell the difference. So, uh, so you look at that one and they've made it bright and flashy because news is entertainment now. And people take that cone... Mm-hmm. And they say that's where it's going to go. And you can be within the cone, and they're pretty good at getting within the cone, but you can be on the edge of that cone. Yeah. And then that cone shifts. 
Yeah. And then there's a new cone. So you can never, you can never really trust three to five, seven days out. And when you're constantly, the, the thing that annoys me, especially, it, it definitely keeps track of, or it definitely toes back in with like the, the virus stuff as well as the hurricane stuff is the modeling is constantly updated with new information and they run the, they rerun the simulation based off of that new information. But then it's like, if the information that in some of those simulations was completely <coughs> incorrect, even if you update it with the new information, you're just going to get equally just as wrong information as you did the first time, you would think, based off of just how they have it set up. Because, <coughs> I mean, if it wasn't accurate enough to predict even close to the other one, I mean, if you're off by 50, 60%, and then you input the new information and then run it again, and then if you're continually off... Well, that's why they have human, <coughs> human input. <coughs> so they take these models. The good thing about NOAA is they have experience. Yeah, but, but it, it, <coughs> if you have experience doing the wrong thing, then is it really experience at all? Is it the wrong thing? It's prediction. Yeah. I'm going to make noise. It's going to be terrible. Oh, you're not really making that much noise. I am on the mic. I can see it popping. Uh, so you have people with experience who have now uh, interpolated what these models are saying. Yeah. So their graphic isn't a direct spit out of the model. No. What it is is a model that comes out, or actually they run it off strings. So they run 100 different hurricane models. They take the consensus of the model. They build the cone off of that with some experience involved. And a lot of that experience comes from past hurricane seasons. Yes. So really all we're doing is looking for similar conditions. And this is how Farmer's Almanac has always done it. They look at previous seasons. They look at... But that, that's where if you have such a large generalization you're not really predicting anything. You're just generalizing that I can go outside and says, hey, because I've lived in Florida for a good good long time, there's a good chance that in a couple months it's going to be 92 degrees and you're going to rain at the afternoon <coughs> around 12 o'clock to like 3 o'clock. And yeah. then you could, just post, you could just post that thing every day for like three months. But, that, but that's not prediction necessarily based off a computer. That's just general knowledge of how this area is from experience so it's just like is that truly prediction or is that just well it is prediction it's prediction with uh what's the word i'm looking for uh it's experiential prediction so like i said that's how farmer's almanac does it they look at seasons they look at season trends they look at past seasons and they mm -hmm. predict what the next season is going to be and that was the best model at the time when well, farmer's almanac was really important for planting seasons yeah but that that that's not really useful in, in a way of but it was useful because that was the best <coughs> information so i think the whole point of the prediction process is to get the best information into people's hands but the way that i see it is it actually the best information what information are you using I look outside. <laughs> I look sky. Sky <laughs> looks dark. Gonna rain. I well, mean. <laughs> I mean, okay. It, Florida is especially bad for this. We have really yeah, small, because the, tight storms. <laughs> because it's it can flip on a coin. And, it's and terrible yeah. to predict. So, I could be in one side of the county, and Todd could be in the other side of the county, and I get a call like it's it's like oh it's raining over here, and I could be I'm sweating. Screw in a that. 120 degree garage. Screw that. I could be on one side of the street and you could be <laughs> on the other side of the street. Your garage is blasted with the sun mm -hmm. and I have torrential downpour. Literally has happened to me. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's where if you hit a large enough area, I mean, yes, you can say, okay, it's a 30% chance of rain, but who's that going to help? And the way they define it now, it's 30% in their news coverage area. Yeah. Literally, as long as 30% of it gets rain, then their prediction was correct. Yeah. And, and that's why these, these large worldwide models or United States-wide models, the farther out you go, basically it's, what are you even doing? 
And then you're also trusting the people who program it to be actually decent programmers. Because when was the last time you have seen an IT professional working with someone in the science field and be like, all right, I want this to do this thing. I mean, I'm pretty sure it does happen, but a lot of it is... There's reasons why programmers... year old code being dug up that hasn't... You know what it's like? It's like digging into the code that ran the space shuttle. It, it, you had okay. a 30-year stretch of code in five, ten different systems. You, <laughs> Not only that, this goes back into... And the code language changed twice while the shuttle was running. Yes. And then you also run into the fact of the whole system was started on basically hand-weaving the code into physical space and to get it on the modules to get it into space. So transferring the, the physical weaving of the code into a digital thing and that then having to keep That wasn't so much with the shuttle. That was more for the Apollo mission. Yes, but I'm talking about like NASA in general. NASA you, sucks you, with technology. You know, you know for a fact that <clears> there's still some parts of their system is still running something that can talk to well, it has to. Voyager and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, think about this. You have probes that were launched 30, 40, 50 years ago yeah. that still have to communicate with NASA. Mm -hmm. So if you pop open their control rooms, I guarantee you there's a tape drive running, and I guarantee you that there's, there's wideband radio running still. Oh, my God. And, and there's still, <coughs> still probably one computer sitting in the back that's running, uh, not cathode rays, but vacuum tubes. I don't know about that. I don't but know. I wouldn't be surprised. That's what I'm saying. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, be surprised. surprised. Uh, which I think is why it's important that NASA farms out uh, some of the close orbit stuff. Yeah, it's it's important because they can't handle everything. Space is friggin' huge. Uh, oh gosh, this is gonna get some flack, but I definitely know that's one of the good reasons why the space force was actually a decent idea, is to offload some of the non-essential stuff off of NASA and bring it into the Department of Defense. Instead of why why is NASA doing all the orbital tracking for every military satellite when they could be using their budget for more clandestine things? What are you talking about? North Korea is doing all the tracking. <laughs> <laughs> ah, man, if he's still even alive. He doesn't have to be. He's created a cult. Oh. Uh, yeah, for those who think Space Force is this really wacky thing that Trump came up with, Space Force has actually existed within the Air Force. Air Force? Yeah, the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, for a long time. Yeah. It's been decades. Pretty much ever since they started launching the, the GPS system, because it was originally a, a U.S. military, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say invention, but a massive U.S. military undertaking of where they were launching the satellites to get up into space, and that's where whatever Department of Space space under the air force was used to keep track of all that stuff <coughs> let's get let's get real uh trump created space force because there's now ufos oh i i, I love this whole massive uh spider web that we weave every every podcast not just that but th this whole thing of just like okay someone says unidentified flying object if i chuck a hubcap outside and no one knows what the hell it is that's a UFO. Have you not heard this? Sorry, let me get close here. Oh, my God. Oh. Have you not heard the story? So there's been some uh, highly knowledgeable people that were involved in investigating yes. UFOs. Yeah. That have been able to come out since a lot of this has been. De yeah, it's been declassified recently. Yeah. So they can start talking about it. Yep. And they're talking about encounters during war games where you have a defined area of engagement space yes and uh, the common knowledge is if you feel like you're outnumbered and you don't want to engage you leave the space mm -hmm. and you stay on the outside that's kind of a sign of submission and whoever's involved in the the war game yep uh, basically anybody except china and russia and us uh <laughs> yeah active threats <laughs> yeah literally people who could actually fight not these little countries uh so so it's basically some f-18s have Start and our, our radar is getting much, much better. I mean, our radar is very advanced now. But I think that's one of the problems I'll touch in a little bit. So uh, they've encountered visually and on radar now UFOs flying inside those engagement areas. And then when they 
engage that as something that they start chasing, those at least one instance, the UFO has flown close to the ground, changed speed in a way that humans wouldn't be able to survive the G-forces, and then gone straight to the center of the engagement space. Yeah. To me, that's saying, uh, look at my balls. You have nothing for me. You better not fight me. And, to me. And to this day, they don't know <coughs> what these things are. What I have, what I seem to think, and it would make a lot more sense because the areas where they're at and the way the technology has gotten, you are able to pick up a lot more information off of radar. And perspective is terrible because if you have something <coughs> and you don't know the size of it, then where is it? I completely agree. So you could literally be picking up <coughs> a really fast bird and you don't know how far away it is. So you're tracking speed. If you think it's larger than it is, that's then not it's how going. our radar works. No, it, that is. No, it's not. How is that? Our radar bounces the signal off of the object. Yes. We know exactly how fast it's going. It has nothing to do with perspective. It does. It doesn't. It does. Because if, if you, are, you are tracking an object, you have to guess, you have to pretty much judge from the information that you're getting back how large the object is. Yes. How are you able... This isn't 1940s radar. No, no, no. But you're also getting most of the information on some of these war games, depending on where they are. They're not running on normal basic off the uh off the stuff airplane air, airplane tracking from no these have been picked up from nose cone radar in yes, f-18s but this is as what well as ship radar yes so you have triangulation they're designed, with that. they're designed for large objects no not anymore look at the radars oh my gosh this I'm is what i'm you. attempting to say this is what <clears> i'm attempting <throat> to say you're proving my point all the all the code and stuff like that that was built for a lot of these systems, you're expecting a, a several thousand pound object to be picked up on radar. Or a net. <laughs> but that's my thing. That's their goal. <laughs> if if they're picking up something where they're thinking it is a U, like a UFO or an F eighteen or a MIG or something like that, something that you would normally see, and it's a bird going a few hundred miles an hour but the system incorrectly picks it up, and that's where that probability thing goes in because a lot of those systems are You're, you're missing a big part of this. No, how am I missing a big part of this? Eyewitness accounts. They were literally chasing it. <clears throat> you are oh. in a fighter jet going... Have you been in a fighter jet? No. So, But they're trained to look at these things and understand the size. They got Question. close as hell to it. Question. If you walk up to a fighter pilot, because the people who are fighter pilots are cocky as hell, to an extent. Yes. That's where the people that are doing this, their ego would get in the way. I don't believe so. I 100% believe so. I don't so. think so. I, you're, you're selling the military short then. No, I, I'm not selling the military short. I'm selling humanity short. I don't think so. Why, okay, so why would a bird fly straight to the center of the engagement area that doesn't know exists? It's confused. It's not confused. You're being chased. Birds avoid side to side things that are chasing them, not it, straight. But from what perspective? And how are you? How is an F eighteen not going to pass the bird? From what perspective? If you are <clears throat> ten thousand feet in the air, they're not. They're close to the ground. Relatively speaking, ten thousand feet is really close to the ground. And we're not going to see eye to eye on this at all. No, because you're you're not making any sense of where, if you are if you are seeing something thousands of feet below you and in a different perspective, that's traveling a few hundred miles an hour, and then you go to it. Yes, as it's moving. And then, as you said, it changed direction so fast no human can do it. <coughs> and if it's a bird... A bird's not going to change directions like that. Not a bird big enough for you to actually see. How? Falcons... You're not going to see a falcon in a cockpit a mile away. You are fully... Have you seen the videos? I haven't seen the videos yet. They are literally a black speck. They're, they're literally on a radar. Black... Yes. The birds don't show up on radar. Yes, they do. Not that detailed. Oh, my gosh. They're not detailed. They're oh literally God. a black speck. Anyway, uh, there's also, because I'm going to skip over this, so I'm going to get irritated and start cursing. <laughs> uh, there also have been instances where they've tracked these 
for nine hours straight. You're not going to track a bird for nine hours straight. You're not going to track a plane for nine hours straight. Track a UFO for nine hours straight. And you can track a bird for nine hours straight. Not at night. What bird goes flying around at night? Albatross. It's literally the largest flying thing that can stay up in the air for several, several hours. And you're going to show me an albatross that is in that area? Anyway, we're getting off track. Uh, back to my real point of this episode. <coughs> How in the hell do you predict coronavirus? Oh, yeah. The bird can sleep from mid-flight. Yeah, then he ain't changing directions and stopping and going to the ground and all that bull crap. Anyway. <laughs> uh, damn, damn Heinekens. I go back to Corona. <laughs> uh, so we, we've established that. We've established nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have established that if you're dealing with an in, incomplete data set, prediction is almost impossible. Wow, almost like you can't predict what the hell the alien is. It's not an incomplete data set. Oh, it's a very incomplete data set. No, it's not. <laughs> they so exist. <laughs> They're going to probe your ass tonight. <laughs> if they do exist, why the hell are they walking around fucking uh, military <laughs> engagements? That'd be the worst place to be. What do you do when you're going to invade something? You go and spook them first. <laughs> In the stupidest way possible? Yo, this one guy, I got this one guy, Listen, I'm sure. When we invaded North Korea, what do we do? We sent in the two news dudes to go and kill him first. <laughs> oh, wait, that might have been a movie. Damn it. Uh, yeah, but we but definitely seriously. send in, you know, we definitely didn't send in the craziest guy we could find and the smallest <laughs> thing we could find and go spook their fighter jets. We actually might have done that. <laughs> it's called a drone. It's a UFO to them. They don't have that stuff, remember? What are you talking about? <laughs> the glorious leader has everything. Oh, I forgot. The cult. <coughs> so, uh, so how do you predict the virus? If we've established computer modeling is inherently flawed, how do you predict the growth, the spread, and the death toll of a virus? Well, how they actually do it, or how, how, how would I? So how would you? How would you, being a moderately smart person who's kind of dumb on some subjects like UFOs, <laughs> uh, deal with creating a model and or prediction of how a virus is going to move through a society? Oh, gosh. The, uh, the most interesting way that I would do is, I guess, just model it off of past experiences. So just use like the, the <coughs> Spanish flu and as many large flus as you could find and just model it based off of that. So what if it doesn't act like any of those? Corona doesn't act like any of those. Then that's been our biggest problem is Corona is an undefined cluster that does not fit anything we've seen. Yes. Then it becomes in the problem of the predictions are going to be inherently flawed anyways. Exactly. So the only way that you can really do it is use the systems that were put in place and also that were thought up for this situation in advance to try to not necessarily outsmart it, but hope that the system that you have in place was good enough to deal with the repercussions <coughs> and then try to use that modeling in the future to try to see if you can. So do you think there's a point <coughs> in modeling the first run of a virus? No. There, th the, the reason is... There's going to be so many variables where it's going to be you don't know what to track until after the fact. We can look back at the Spanish flu and be like, all right, these variables are important because we know that in the end they had a hand in either defeating it or coming up with a strategy where we could work around it, where the information that we have is so incomplete that we don't know if the variables that we're putting in the system have any effect. So we could be adding gigabytes or terabytes worth of information we don't need. So the, one of the top news stories from the Yanark, Yanark, the Yanark Times, the New York Times, is the models have now predicted a sharp rise as states have started to reopen. But what that, what that would the purpose be of, that, of a story like that? There is the the narrative side of just the 
we're trying to freak people out to either shut everything down or to real the, the more realistic thing is just probably to get clicks and, and viewers and Absolutely. trying to get ad revenue. So I think news has completely stopped being the fourth branch of government and completely gone to the side of uh, we're entertainment. And if we can't entertain, then uh, what's the point? So they've sacrificed. I don't, I don't even think it's entertainment. I think it's more or less of. Well, sure it is. So do you pick up the newspaper and look at the headline and that decides if you read the story or not? Well, I mean, I haven't touched a newspaper since I was a child. But. Hypothetically. <laughs> Let's say you walk by the newsstand. I mean, to a certain extent. It needs to be an entertaining headline. But it also... It doesn't need to be a true headline. At, but what we look at news for is completely different than what we get for entertainment. But what Correct. I think they figured out uh, around the, let's say, late 90s is... Yeah, earlier than that. No, no. I'd, I'd say when they were really pushing it is... Uh, Anger sells. That anger and fear is a lot more. Well, why does anger sell? Because it's a lot more powerful. Because it's entertaining. No, no, no. Because it's it's a more powerful emotion. I look to see how Trump's going to get on Twitter and (laughs) see how much of an idiot he's going to make of himself on Twitter. But that's a strong entertaining. But that's a stronger emotion, and if if you can fiddle with someone's emotions and get a stronger kickback, so what you're saying is society can no longer control its anger and look for logic. Oh, wait. That's completely true. Well, that's the thing. Like, individuals. Individuals are great. If you take the individuals out of I the crowd. I think individuals suck. No, no, no. It's, it's that group mentality. Because you can get a group of people. You can get a group of the smartest people alive. And then you put them together. And bam. That, that mob mentality just makes them all idiots. That's why I hate the term consensus. There is no consensus. Because consensus completely eliminates the scientific method. You cannot challenge the consensus to actually see if the consensus is correct. And I'm not saying on anything specific in general. If you have a consensus, it doesn't settle anything. It just means we need to challenge it more. And science has lost the ability to say, hey, this is incorrect. I don't think it's just science. No, but but I think that's the most important place for this to be. Yeah. Uh, And especially when you're dealing with something like pathogens, uh, getting the news out... (coughs) And not scaring people beyond the point of... Because right now, there's societal fatigue. Yeah. We're just sick of this crap. What's the reason why you're seeing the protests? Absolutely. And you're going to get the people that are most equipped to protest, protest first. Yes. And you're going to get the people who, who ascribe to a certain thought process where protesting is very important to their way of life. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the first ones out there. And we're already seeing that. Yeah. But eventually you're going to get more of the soci- of uh, society's subcultures into protesting. Yeah. And when that happens, you've now lost control on being able to do anything with this virus. Correct. You're yeah. basically at the will of the people, which is where I think it should be. But it needs to be tempered. And tempering it was is what I think Trump did a really good job with was let's try this for six weeks. We're going off the models for now because we have incomplete information. We don't yeah. know what this virus even is yet. Let us close for six weeks. And he never closed anything. He recommended it to the states. The states are the only ones who can close. So anyone who says that Trump did this, they, they don't understand government. Uh, so he said, let's close this for six weeks and see where we're at. The yeah. goal is to not overwhelm our health care system, which is very important. Mm-hmm. If, if it came to the point like Italy, we would have been screwed. Yeah, so we closed, <coughs> you know, you would have seen a million, two million people dead. Oh, absolutely. So the models might have actually been correct, provided they didn't include social distancing and things that we were already doing in the model. Yeah. But the model did include social distancing. Later on. No. It was still. The early ones did, too. Yes, but that, that's when it was <clears throat> done down to, like, I think under a million, like 750 around then. So starting to drop them. So the first models, yeah, were about. Three quarters of a million to 650,000 predicted death by August. We're, what, two months away from that? Three months, two months? I don't know where we're at. Uh, So, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, two months away. (coughs) But the point is, the modeling was going out four months, but the modeling always stopped at August. Why did we stop at August? 
And I think the reason we stopped in August is we don't know what the fall is going to do to this virus yet. You can't model something. You absolutely have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so we were going off incomplete information. Our information was getting better. The modeling was changing, but it was also changing at the exact same curve as people aren't dying fast enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think the modeling changed because deaths weren't happening quick enough to make that number justified. Uh, so but I think that that was a, that was a very hard that was a very hard thing to model out because with exponential growth it can literally go out of hand. It's a butterfly effect. In like if you have one days. death that doesn't happen, yes, that the, number well, is yes. exponentially different. Which is the reason why they said if we would have known about this even a few weeks beforehand, then you know <laughs> we would have been sixty percent less. You know, we would have been sixty percent farther back. Which is why we need to sue the hell out of China. I don't even know how the hell that would be humanly possible. I don't either. But uh, I, something needs to happen. Sanction them. Their their lack of letting information flow out of their country literally killed people. Yes. And we still for have. our government to. I don't stand even think by, it's just our government. I think it's just no. The I think world it's the general. world government. I mean, you look at how it went through Italy or Italy, uh, Europe. Mm -hmm. It went through Europe quick. And yes, we might have got it from China. We might have got it from Europe. The left says now it's a European virus. They're, they're full of crap. It came from China. Whether we got it from China or we got it from Europe, it doesn't really matter. It came from China. Yeah. It, it's, uh, but that divergence in information, uh, you know, a few days could equal 100,000 deaths later. Yeah. If Trump had the right information in January, we could have closed six weeks earlier or four weeks earlier, a month earlier. But it's also the, the amount of information that he gets on a daily basis as well as, because I believe a lot of the information that he gets is also given to, you know, you know chief of staff. and Well, his brief's coming Congress. from Fauci. Yeah, but, but it was also at that point he gets a lot of briefings Dictator from Congress and, and all of that. So, you know, if you're getting so many data points from different angles, that's where, the, you know, you can get <laughs> chaos theory as well. Because what, what data set do you pick up on is which one's important. Well, I think that's where being an intelligent person, and if you're not an intelligent person or intelligent enough, you need to have the right advisors around you. Yeah. And I think that's where Trump has kind of had a fail in the end here, uh, <laughs> where they need to move away from the modeling, look at the numbers, and see that uh, people's 401ks are important. And I, I'm going to use the media's term. Yes, they're important. Is it worth killing people? No, but we're not killing people. The virus is. I is think that's it, the big distinction. Is it more important for people to survive through the virus or is it more important to stop the virus? We're, and the point to that, a side note of that, we're never going to stop this virus. No. The whole point of the closure was to slow it down enough so that we could set up emergency hospitals, get mm -hmm. doctors and nurses where they needed to be, and be able to handle the rush of sick people. Yeah. We did that great. We now have emergency hospitals in Cape Cod closing. We have, and they've never seen a corona patient. So why, why not tout that as a victory? Why tout that as it's going to happen later? Our timing is off. It's a, it's a bunch of control. It, it's a bunch of uh, manipulation. And but I think it's, <clears throat> but I think on that thing, it's easier to look back in hindsight. You know, it's the perfect. This is going to sound really stupid, but it's the perfect year for it because it's 2020. You know, hindsight's 2020. We always... In, in that was the, the dumbest thing I've heard you say I know. in this entire podcast. I can't believe that <laughs> came out of your mouth. What oh, about God. Corona 2021? Hindsight's 2021? Come on now. That was no, but, I like that. But, uh, but if you look at everything that you're hearing, for, even from both sides, it's, it, it's not just a... a I think it's like a, a, a people issue in general, of like just humans <laughs> that you see the information that you have today, like all the information that we have today. And then you look back, it's like, well, why didn't we do something about this earlier? Because at that time, we didn't know about it. Or the information was coming from 20 different sides. And that's where, okay, at, at when we first got to this, <coughs> those hospitals were predicted to be needed there because they went to population centers. Because every single time that there's something that happens you want to get the help in the population centers 
but I figured out not all population centers are equal. Cali. L.A. did not get hit like New York did. Only because I think it was there earlier. But that doesn't necessarily even hold up, too. Well, yeah, because the deaths never came in the numbers that they came to New York. Correct. And you have equally sized population centers throughout the world that have different densities that didn't have the same effects as other places. So which information do you base it off of? Do you just base it off of density or do you base it off of population size? Is it, do you have, this has this density and it has uh, a subway system or do you also do it as this has, you have this many people and also a large homeless population or do you do it off, it's, it's just like, we can see certain factors today that helped as well as certain policy things that may have helped make it a whole lot worse. And then we can look back and be like, well, why didn't we think of that? You know, it's stupid that you're looking back at it in hindsight of, you know, hey, an idiot, even an idiot could figure this out. But if you're looking at a massive sheet of 2,000 different numbers on a page and you just go that one, there's a, lo- there's a large chance you're going to be wrong at the time. So do you think it, it is correct to start opening things up now? Nationally, no. I agree. I think that it, a lot of it's up to the counties and the states. I think the way we're doing it right now is good. Florida, yeah, we have our hot spots, but those areas and counties can continue to close and, yeah. and reduce the amount of people on the road. Miami-Dade, Homestead, those, that's a bad area. Yeah, definitely keep the villages closed this for as long uh, as possible. The villages actually didn't get hit that bad. But that has the largest potential is if, if it gets if it yeah, gets Yeah, you know there, what's keeping them alive? They have STDs. You know, <laughs> they, have, uh, they have... I'm telling um, you, they're on so <laughs> many freaking immunosuppressants. They're not oh. even getting this disease. Oh, man, there, there is so much I could let you know about that. Because <laughs> when I was in pharmacy, I literally... My specialization was long-term care facilities. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't want to get I, into I dealt, that. I dealt with that for years. What do you give old people in, in nursing homes? Oh. Well, Viagra we, and... <laughs> oh, Viagra and Valtrex. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. it, it just goes to show that <clears throat> this became a geographical nightmare of a virus. It, yeah. it has its hot spots. Mm-hmm. But the prescription for the entire country isn't the same. No. We need to stop giving everyone the same pill because uh, at, the, at the end of the day, it's just going to kill the economy. And we're seeing it now. But I, I also think the, the hard truth that no one wants to talk about that kind of gets swept under the rug is either way, and it, people are going to die. Yeah. And, and, and that's the, the harsh truth of no one wants anyone to die like that that is that is the whole goal of everything is just to stop the death from this but this was not something that was wished upon or anyone sought out it was just something that was forced upon the world and i think that a lot of people need to put that more into perspective that we're dealing with the the worst situation that a lot of us have ever dealt with that we need to just remember that you know, we're all human, and unfortunately, either way, right or wrong, there's just going to be a lot of... You know how many people died yesterday? <coughs> Where? In the U.S. 100,000? No. Uh, I mean, of Corona. Oh, of Corona. Like, of the... 100,000, that's light as hell. <laughs> but uh, I'd probably say, like, three, 4,000. You'd be way off. High or low? Way low. 17,000 people. Damn. Do you know what our peak was? I think it was like 23. Peak was 36,000. That was April 24th. And, you know, we've gone up and down. uh, Man, that's the entire population of this city. Yeah. It dropped to 22,000 April 27th. Went back up to 33,000 May 1st. 
you know, it's it's got its peaks and valleys, but it's on a downward trend. Mm. Uh, but the point is, we're also counting way more people as corona deaths that aren't dying from coronavirus. But I have two minds of that. I think that, yes, we are. But they're also saying that a lot of it, the virus got here a lot sooner. And that the, the deaths we're counting now as over deaths could have been all evened out because we weren't counting enough in the beginning. But then our sample set right now is incorrect. No, but that that's where the... I know the, what you're saying. They're catching up on the numbers to make them work with when the virus actually got here. Yeah, that's why my opinion is <clears throat> the, all the information that we're getting... You can't do that, though. You can't do that. Because now you're modeling based on numbers that aren't correct. Correct. Th- th- that's why modeling as it's happening is almost all useless. So the I think, and you know, there's hospitals that are being pressured, literally proven, not conspiracy theory. There's hospitals that are being pressured, or it, staff inside hospitals, I should say. It's the evil corporations that are doing it, that are leaning on doctors to declare things, certain things, corona deaths, because it gets the hospital money. And I think that needs to roll back. Well, that, that one's hard to tell. Because not when you have numerous people coming out from numerous different hospitals. Let me rephrase that. What I think the problem is, is the funding. They are only having funding for Corona, anything Corona related. So it's easy to say that this death was Corona related and your hospital would get some funding. So what you're saying is we shouldn't have closed the hospitals to anything else other than Corona and emergency hindsight and left it open so that the hospitals can continue to pay for being able to run see this is the problem when you start applying socialist tactics to capitalist systems but what i think would have been a better system is or neo-capitalist systems we are not capitalist anymore no we're uh the best thing keep going no the, the best thing would have been to leave it up to the individual hospitals absolutely and I, th- I think that's where a but lot then of personal then, responsibility... Then the hospitals are opening themselves up to a lot of liability if they don't do it right. So I understand the moves they're making and what See, they're the, doing the, now. This is where I hate the whole liability because everything gets chalked up to liability. Absolutely. I think that with the predatory tactics of lawyers, and then you could easily say that for the funding, and you could... Uh, Easily be like, all right, during this amount of time, create something in one of those stimulus packages. Be like, the liability of your hospital is covered under like the federal government or the state government. Or say that your liability directed directly relating to coronavirus doesn't exist. Yeah. You cannot sue the hospital for catching, transmitting, or dying from coronavirus. Because we're because if you're not, then people aren't going to go to the hospital, and you can't close the whole damn thing down. Because they've already had a problem where people are dying in their homes. That that's a big thing in New York. People are dying in their homes, either because they have some coronavirus symptoms, and they're just not going to the hospital because they don't want Let's to be get real. coronavirus, Let's or someone's having a heart attack in their home, and they just be like they don't want to get coronavirus, so they just die in their house. Which is, I've been seeing a lot of stories about that now. But let's be real. The real killer in this quarantine is depression. And it, it, I, I think in the future, in the next six, seven months. We're not going to see the numbers right away because they're not tracking it and it's hard to see real time. But you're going to see suicides go up. You're going to see domestic violence go up. You're going to see child abuse go up. All of these things that result in families that don't have good uh, structure. Yeah are going to start affecting that family yeah. in a negative way. And when you start rolling in things like now you have 30 million people unemployed, uh, where, well, like it's, where do you go from there? It's, it's that, that one thing. Oh, man, bring up. I wouldn't necessarily say bring up socialism, but Joseph Stalin actually had a very interesting quote that fuck brings a lot into this, like one death is a tragedy, but a million deaths is a statistic. Very true. And can't believe you just quoted Stalin. I'm going to have to hit Hitler soon. Oh, my gosh. I'll hit him for you. Fucking just <laughs> upside the head. More well, Hitler. you know, <coughs> the early days of Hitler, reading Mein Kampf, first quarter of that book, I could have got on board with it. I could see how 
falling behind him. I mean, as soon as he started saying Jews were the problem, I was out. But uh, but that, I could see how people jumped on that train. That's where a lot of that's where a lot of systems, you know, they 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 get you in the floor of like, hey, this isn't so bad. And then the farther up you get, it's like, oh, this is just bad. This is just bad, bad. <laughs> this is uh, oh, he's he's crazy. I won't get into that now, though. But <coughs> no, I think it's safe to say that you can't predict anything without perfect numbers, and perfect numbers don't exist. Perfect so, anything doesn't exist. <laughs> so uh, predicting all of these things and then holding to that prediction as if it was gospel is is a bad idea, and it's the completely wrong way to go. And it's also causing a lot of issues with people who are taking those predictions as 100%. This is what's going to happen if we don't go to every store with a mask on. By the way, I don't know if everybody knows, but a mask stops 300 nanometers is their, is their limit. They'll catch things smaller, larger than 300 nanometers, at least the N95. Mm-hmm. You know how big the coronavirus is? No. 60 to 120 nanometers. Well, it's a virus. It's one of the smallest things that... Yeah, it's tiny. Yeah. So, <laughs> tiny. I mean, <laughs> AMD's chipset's down to 7 nanometers, so the virus sucks ass on that. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I wonder how many it. people are actually going to get that one. <laughs> uh, AMD, or uh, Intel as well, 14 nanometers. Get your shit together. Uh, <laughs> I've been 14 nanometers for like five years. <laughs> That's why they're number two now. Uh, a little techie stuff there. So <laughs> it uh, it goes to show that if we don't educate the public, yes, educate them about the risk, educate them about the things that are coming, but also they need to know that it is an imperfect prediction. Yeah, You cannot change your entire life based on that imperfect prediction. And take your gloves off. Gloves are the absolute worst thing to be running. Unless you're required to wear them, you guys realize you're carrying it everywhere. If you wear your gloves all day, it is horrible. The virus lives on hard, non-porous surfaces for the longest amount. Kind of like a glove. Plastic, metal, all of that. The best thing that you could possibly do, and it's the thing they've been <clears throat> saying from day one, wash your hands. Absolutely. Wash The virus anything. does not like your hands. No. And... Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. That's the biggest thing that they can yeah, possibly do. Yeah, that don't do. touch your face thing, I'm already done. I've had corona like <laughs> 10 times. Uh, and, and that's where the biggest factor has been, has been the social distancing and washing your hands and washing your and face. And if you're sick or you think you're sick, put a mask on. Yes. I mean, it, it isn't going to stop it, but it is going to prevent it from being the main spread thing, largely. I think they had figured out that 70% effectiveness is if the person that's sneezing wears the mask yep and or coughing yes that's the biggest thing you're not protecting yourself from other people you're protecting people from you yep i think if you're if you're sick stay home Mm -hmm. if uh if it's allergy season and you got the same cough you get every year you're fine from personal experience don't take that to the bank uh (laughs) but yeah, if you're sick, stay home <laughs> if you can. If you can't stay home, I understand, and I'm not going to jump on you for going out and, and working if you have to. I understand that. You need to pay your bills. I think it's where personal responsibility <clears throat> comes in. Yeah, but if, if, you're, if you're sick, don't be around people. Uh, if you're an old person, this thing kills you. Don't just, go out. Yeah, just stay just inside. Don't. don't go out. Don't even risk it. Uh, if you're in a position where you can't stay home, I don't know. You're going to have to weigh those risks. 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you give me 20 bucks and a 60% chance of dying, I'm going out. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I take those odds. I've, I've dealt with worse. <laughs> so I think it's important to, to take the advice that is good advice to heart and uh, use common sense. I, I think humanity, when using common sense properly, is a smart group of people. I mean, mean, if you look at the numbers, we were already social distancing and quarantining ourselves before the orders came out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, scary stuff. You know, I hate the fact that Google and Apple track that stuff. But in this sense, you can see the data proves that we do the right thing as a society. We might not individually do it. You know, it's it's when push comes to shove. A lot of people will do the right thing. And I think that's that's one of those things that it is good to remember that 
throughout it all, you know, we're all in this together, and we're uh, all. I can't trying. believe you said that. We are all, you know, we're but all it's, in this together. But it's 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 true. It's good to it, it's it is true. it is good to hear because a lot of times you just get stuck in your head that everything's gonna end, but. It is good to hear that, you know, other people are around you and are dealing with the same thing. And statistically, there's someone else out there worse off than you. I never like to find the one that's the worst off because that guy's going to have yeah. a bad day. Because statistically, that person <laughs> exists. Yeah, he does. You're going to uh-huh. have like a paraplegic, uh, quadriplegic. <laughs> Coronavirus you know, patient who exactly. won't die. He's got lungs full of water. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be horrible. Uh, I think we're cut it off there. Uh Comment if you guys have any any thoughts on this this uh, this video or podcast, depending on where you're getting it from. Yeah, like and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are blowing up our accounts. I love it. I'm surprised. I thank about you guys so much. The the decent feedback that we're getting and surprised yeah. how many people are actually. I thought I thought literally we were doing this for like five people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, turns out it's six, and uh, we love that sixth one more than the first five. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, for real. No, we appreciate it, guys.